morning everyone, my name is Stephen and the second Bible reading is Hebrews chapter 4 verses 1 to 13. So if you'd like to open up your Bible you can follow me as I read the passage. Hebrews chapter 4 starting at verse 1. Therefore since the promise of entering his rest still has fallen short of it, for we also have had the gospel preached to us just as they did but the message they heard was no value to them, because those who heard did not combine it with faith. Now we who have believed entered that rest, just as God has said. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And yet his work has been finished since the creation of the world, for somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. And on the seventh day, God rested from all his work. And again in the passage above, he says, they shall never enter my rest. It still remains that some will enter that rest. And those who formerly had the gospel preached to them did not go in because of their disobedience. Therefore, God again set a certain day calling it today, when a long time later he spoke through David, as was said before. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work just as God did from his. Let us, therefore, make every effort to enter the rest so that no one will fall by following the example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. This is the word of the Lord. So I have three young boys. Raising boys is easy. You just got to treat them like dogs. You got to feed them and give them a ball to play with. So I signed my boys up for AFL. I've signed them up for an organised team sport. But this is what every parent finds. When you sign your kid up for an organised team sport, the first thing you notice is, oh my goodness, my kid is ordinary. See, up until now, I thought my kids were amazing. I thought they could kick, they could catch. But that's because that was just them and me in the backyard. The sample size was one, N equals one. But if you put them in a team sport, suddenly it's a bigger sample size, N equals 30. And that's when you find out your kid is below average. They're not exceptional. They're not special. They're below average. Worse than that, they don't even know what's going on. I remember my oldest son in his first game. He spent the whole day, just the whole game, just looking at the goalpost. After the game, I said to him, how was the game? He said, was that a game? I said, yes, you were actually in a game. He thought you were just running around for the sake of running around. He did not know there was a goal to aim at. There was a goal to the game. And life is the same. 
What is our goal? Why are we running around? Why are we so busy? We must have a goal. Otherwise, all we're doing is eating, sleeping, and working. What is our goal? Now, according to the Bible, our goal, what our heart truly desires, is rest. We want rest. And by rest, I don't mean the absence of activity. By rest, we don't mean we do nothing, because that would be boring. Instead, what we're talking about is some thing called restful activity. Every weekend, my dream is to barbecue. I love barbecuing. But it's a lot of work to barbecue, yes, but it's restful. There's something peaceful, joyful in barbecuing. It's a restful activity. And the Bible promises us that we have ultimate rest. Not the absence of activity, but ultimate rest. Something where we find peace, fulfillment, and the joy of being in God's presence. So how can we find this rest, this ultimate rest, the goal of life, what our heart truly desires? Well, the answer is going to come in Hebrews chapter 4. If we're new here today, we're going through a series in the Bible, through the book of Hebrews. You've done Hebrews chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, and today we're doing chapter 4. Once again, my name is Sam Chan from City Bible Forum. Thank you so much for having me. And in Hebrews 4, today I suggest there are three things we can do to find the rest that our heart truly desires. So the first thing is this. We need to hear God's word. We need to hear God's word. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 4 again. Verse 2. For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us, just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them, because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Then we fast forward to verse 7. God again set a certain day, calling it today. This he did when a long time later God spoke through David, as in the passage already quoted, and God says, today, if you hear, hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. The first thing we need to do is hear God speaking to us. Now, Sydney traffic is so bad that a few years ago, I finally did it. I bought a motorbike just to get through the traffic, but motorbikes are dangerous. So I also got myself a high-vis vest to be safe, but my wife says, you can't wear a high-vis vest. I said, why not? It's safe. She says, it was about safety. Why'd you buy a motorbike in the first place? I hate it when they use logic against you, but she said, you can't wear a high-vis vest. They just look silly. So instead, I got loud exhaust pipes on my motorbike because if they can't see you at least they can hear you and it's the same with God if we can't see God we can still hear God speaking to us and that's the argument in Hebrews chapter 4 that God has spoken in fact it's the argument all of Hebrews if you remember back in chapter 1 it says God has spoken in the past he spoke to our forefathers through the prophets but today he's spoken to us through his son God has spoken And in Hebrews 4, the logic is this. God has spoken in major moments in the Bible's history. He spoke back in the past to God's people, the Israelites, in the desert. He spoke to them from the mountain, Mount Sinai. He spoke to them there. He spoke to them in the desert as they were wandering around, promising them a rest. But when they refused to listen to God, they missed out on that rest. God speaks again in the Old Testament through the Psalms, through David. And today we hear God speaking to us again 
promising us that rest that they missed out on here in the desert. So what is God saying to us? Well, verse 2, we have had the good news, the gospel proclaimed to us. We have heard, we have heard the gospel. We've heard the good news, just as they did here back in the desert. Well, what is this good news? Well, a good way of summarizing the gospel is this. We, there are three main parts to God's good news to us, and it's this. Manger, Jesus came to us in a manger. Cross, Jesus died for us on a cross. And king, Jesus also comes to us as king. Now, if we're really nerdy, if we like our big theological words, what we're really talking about here is incarnation, atonement, and restoration. Or simply that Jesus became one of us. Jesus died for us in our place, and Jesus will also set up his kingdom. One day he will come here as king. And if you think about it, this is the argument in the book of Hebrews as well. In chapters 1 to 4, it's saying Jesus became one of us. He actually became one of us. He was like a brother, and he likes to call us brothers and sisters. He is one of us. Yes, son of God, but he's also one of us, flesh and blood. But later we read in the middle part of Hebrews, Jesus is also a priest. He offers the perfect sacrifice for us in our place. And in the final chapters of Hebrews, we're going to find out that Jesus is going to come again and set up a new Jerusalem, a new kingdom here on earth. So this is the good news that God has preached to us, which we hear. But we need to do more than just hear this good news because the people of God in the desert, they heard it, but they missed out on the rest. So we need to do a second thing to get this rest that God promises us. And it's this. We need to humble ourselves before God's word. We need to humble ourselves before this word that we hear. Let's go to verse 12. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrows. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Here we find this idea that God's word, God's good news, we don't just hear it. It actually penetrates us. It cuts us up. It divides us. It sees everything in us. As you heard earlier, I work part-time as a doctor. I work as a surgical assistant in the operating room. That's me with the surgeon and the nurse. But I'm also at a stage of life where I too need a lot of operations. So I go back to the same hospital that I work in and I get all my operations. That's me as a patient just last year with one of the nurses I work with. My wife can't believe it. She says, why would you go to the place where you work, where everyone knows you and get your operations there? But I say, why wouldn't you get your operations where everyone knows you? My wife says, no, you do not do that. Why? Because they see everything. When you, go, go, when, you, when you go for an operation, you've got to take all your clothes off. There are bright lights. You can't hide from the bright lights. More than that, they cut 
you open. They see you, not just from the outside in, but from the inside out. And that's what God's word does to us. It sees everything. We can't hide from it. And it penetrates us and it sees us for who we really are from the inside out. And there's something very humbling about that. So we have to be prepared not just to hear God's word, but to be humbled by God's word. And there's something very humbling about God's word because what it's really saying in its heart of hearts is this. We need to be saved. We can't save ourselves. We need God's help to save us. And there's something very humbling about that message. And it's the opposite message to what we're hearing in the world. Because right now, the 21st century Western message is this. And it's this. We were born pure. On the day we were born, we were as clean and pure and true as we could possibly be. But the world messed us up. Authority figures, teachers, parents, governments, religious leaders, they messed us up. So my mission in life is to be brave, to be true to myself, and do whatever it takes to be happy. That's my mission in life. And it sounds very liberating, very empowering, but studies are now showing it's had the opposite effect. It's disempowering us and it's robbing us of joy. And that's why now they're finding there are disproportionate levels of stress anxiety and depression in the western world because this message do whatever it takes to be happy actually means we stay miserable because we think am i happy yet no do i have to do more no i'm still not happy do i have to do more well i must be the problem because i got it told i'm amazing and i need to do whatever it takes to be happy but i'm still not happy yet but the message of jesus is the opposite jesus promises us if we humble ourselves before god he will lift us up so in the message of jesus we're set free to say you know what i'm not okay and that's okay i'm not perfect and that's okay jesus is perfect so i don't have to be perfect i can admit i'm broken i have sin i have guilt i have shame but jesus removes that and he sets me free so there's something very humbling about God's good news to us, but there's something very liberating and empowering at the same time. If we can humble ourselves and say, you know what, I do need to be saved, God will lift us up. The third thing we learn from the book of Hebrews is this. To find God's rest, we need to hold onto God's word. It's not just enough to hear it. It's not just to humble ourselves before it. We also need to hold on, hang on to God's word. Let's go back to verse 2. For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us, just as they did in the desert, but the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. They didn't hold on to it. They didn't obey the message, so they missed out on God's rest. But verse 11 says, well, we can be different. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one would perish by following their example of disobedience. Don't do what they did, where they didn't hold on to God's word, they disobeyed it. Instead, we can do the opposite. We can obey it and hang on to God's word. A few years ago, I went through another midlife crisis, so I signed up for Masters AFL. I have started playing AFL with old people, 
and I'm so new to AFL. I haven't played it really before. And here's what I'm getting used to in AFL. In AFL, when someone tries to tackle you, you're meant to, you're meant to get rid of the ball. You're not meant to hang on to the ball. But I grew up playing rugby where when someone tries to tackle you, you do everything you can to hang on to that ball no matter what. So when I play AFL, I play like a rugby player. I hang onto that ball when I get tackled. But the umpire would say, holding the ball. And I thought that was a good thing. Thank you. That's what I'm trying to do. But no, you're not meant to hold on the ball. But in Hebrews, we're meant to play like rugby players. Hold on. Hold on to God's word no matter what. Hold on to our faith. Hold on to the gospel. And here we see that interesting tension in the Bible that we are saved by faith alone. It's not good works that saves us. It's faith, our faith in Jesus that will save us. Faith alone saves us. But yes, that faith is never alone. True saving faith will produce good works. It will produce obedience. It will um, produce perseverance where we hold onto that faith. And it sort of goes both ways away. By persevering, by holding onto our faith, it confirms our saving faith. So we've heard the good news, we've humbled ourselves before and obeyed it, and we make sure we hold onto that faith. But right now we're going through an interesting time in the Western church where people are not holding onto their faith. They're going through what we call a moment of de-churching. So coming out of COVID, we're finding that many people who, who stopped coming to church because of COVID have not come back to church after COVID. So it's produced a really good book that's just only come out last month by Jim Davis, Michael Graham from the USA. It's called The Great De-Churching. Just like we had a great awakening, now we seem to be going through a great de-churching. So why are people not holding on to the faith? Why are we leaving the church? So one good suggestion is this, actually to have a persevering, holding on faith. We actually need three things. We need belonging, to feel like we do belong in the church, in the family of God. We also need to behave like we're God's people. We have to obey God's word. And of course, we have to believe God's word as well. And It's interesting that the book of Hebrews is stressing we need all three of these things as well because later in the book of Hebrews, it's going to say, don't stop meeting together. Just whatever you do, don't stop meeting together. In other words, we need to keep belonging. Then later in the final chapter of Hebrews 13, it's going to tell us how to behave as Christians as well. And then it's going to tell us we have to keep believing. And what the book, The Great De-Churching, is finding is people just de-church bit by bit. It happens in small little steps. We lose belonging because maybe we change city or we change our work situation or we had kids or we started weekend sport or we slept in or we had online church. But little bit, in little small increments, we just stopped belonging. We lost the habit of going to church. And just by losing that habit and not being accountable, bit by bit we stop behaving like we're Christians. We lose those little things like maybe we lose our sacred rituals, our sacred rhythms. We stop reading the Bible. We stop praying. Just little bit by bit things where we stop behaving and bit by bit we stop believing as well. So we need all three to hold on to the faith. We need belonging, 
behavior, and belief. So do you remember our original question? It was this. What is the goal of life? What is it that my heart desires? Because if I have no goal, I'm just rushing around with no purpose. I'm just eating, sleeping, and working, but for no reason. And we've said this today, that our goal is rest. Somehow we're looking for rest, not the absence of activity, but something where there's restful activity. And the Bible promises an ultimate rest that begins both now and that's fulfilled in the age to come. And this is a rest where we find peace. We find joy. We find fulfillment because we enjoy the pleasure and the presence of God in everything we do and in who we are. And to find that rest, today we've heard three things from Hebrews chapter 4. We need to hear God speaking to us. Hear that good news he's telling us. But we also need to humble ourselves before it and obey it. And we also need to hang on to it and persevere. Keep belonging, keep behaving, and keep believing. When I was working as a junior doctor, I shared accommodation with other junior doctors. And there was one junior doctor, his name was Dave. Dave and I, we got on really well. We became not just flatmates, but really good friends. And Dave and I would have a ritual every Friday night at the end of work, at the end of a long, busy day's work. We'd just sit on the balcony and just listen to music. Dave wasn't a Christian. Dave did not grow up in a Christian family. But after a few months of doing this, Dave was intrigued by how I was a Christian. So he asked me, so what is it that Christians believe? And I said, Dave, Dave, this is what Christians believe. Just look at us. Look at us right now. We're lonely. We're wandering because we're always changing accommodation, changing work, and we're restless. We're lonely, wandering, restless, and we don't have a home. This is what Christians believe, that in Jesus, we can stop wandering. We will be lonely for God no more, and we'll find that rest that our heart desires, and we can settle down in a place that God calls home. And that's the promise that's open to all of us, if we will hear God's word, humble ourselves before it, and hold on to it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we're not just running around, being busy, being exhausted, but somehow there is a goal in life, and that goal is rest. Rest in you. A rest where we enjoy peace, fulfillment, joy in our worship and enjoyment of your delight and your presence. And we thank you that that promise is open to all of us if we only hear you speak to us, humble ourselves before you and hold on to your word. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.